Welcome to the HSCT Warriors Podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT Warriors worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry Koenig, or Zen Jen, and so grateful to share this story with you. As we continue to grow the HSCT Warrior community, illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences, and advocate for an inclusive society. We're so glad you've joined us. I can't believe it's season eight and I've had so many people interested because everyone's story is so unique. Yeah. How about we just dive into yours and I say, welcome, Jocelyn. Hello there again. (laughs) So great to reconnect with you and just catch up. So the last time we spoke, you were eager to get to Russia. Oh, just a bit eager. (laughs) Definitely. I remember back, I have not listened to my previous podcast that I did with you, but I do definitely remember the space that I was in. And I had reached a point of, I've done all I can to get to Russia. And there's lots of these roadblocks in my way, which are out of my control. And I remember my superpower was doing nothing, (laughs) which was was completely appropriate. It was all because of COVID, right? Mm -hmm. It was because of the UK's uh, variants that we we made in the UK. So Russia didn't want us and banned (laughs) direct flights from the UK. So my flights were cancelled and it was, I was just having to trust, really put all of my trust in Anastasia, which isn't hard because she's incredible. So I just thought, leave it. Don't do anything. Don't email Anastasia. She knows what she's doing. And surprisingly to me, very short while, like maybe two or three days after we spoke in the podcast, Anastasia was in contact with me going, okay, we've sorted out your invitation to Russia now you just need to get a visa and and then so basically within two weeks I was ready to go and had a booked flight it was whirlwind it was crazy and it was so so fast I went to London to the Russian embassy which I was a little bit nervous about because you know London was a bit COVID-y and I desperately didn't want to get COVID and not be able to get on a flight (laughs) or Um, even get to Russia and then say sorry you have COVID yeah, but it was that it was uh, it worked out all very well. Um, the next bit of drama <laughs> with my getting to Russia is that on the day of my flight, um, I was uh, got stuck in a traffic jam mm-hmm. on the motorway on the way <laughs> to Heathrow Airport, and I absolutely missed my flight, oh, which was. No. It was very traumatic. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's not yeah. the way you want to start off. No, I was I was just like, oh my God, this is not the flight to miss. <laughs> oh my God. I was so upset. And then um I was like, okay, this is fine. And immediately the next day I gave I bought myself a pity takeaway. And then the next morning I was calling up my flight arranger company, just going, miss my flight. We've got a rebook. And then the next week I booked to go few. <laughs> and I managed to get in, obviously, uh, bouncing off Istanbul and going to Moscow that way, which was a challenging flight, but you just get there anyway you have to. And I know other people have a, a way longer flight. than <laughs> How long the, was your flight? It ended up being around about eight and a half hours because of the changeover. Um, 
but I knew pr- I probably had a four hour flight to get home. So I was, I was like, ah, oh, it's fine. It will be okay. And I got to Russia at 4.30 a.m. their time. Oh my. And I was pretty wrung out from the travel. But it's this, it's the combination of a, oh my God, look, it's snowing. And as soon as the plane came down, I was just all of this snow. And that made me so happy. So I was just delighted to be in Russia. Um, you know, it's, it was uh, meeting Anastasia straight away. Bless her. Oh my God goodness i think everyone who talks to you who's been to russia praises so much anastasia she's such a lovely 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 person and i got to give her a big hug just to be like oh my hey (laughs) we've been talking on email for so long and then i did what everyone who is going to that hospital with a in covid environment has to do Mm. and spent a few hours being covid tested but i to be fair i was very grateful it was a very quiet room i was exhausted and hugely sleep deprived i just curled up on my side in all of my clothes and i just just slept it was it was good and then i got moved to my room because of course i didn't have covid i've been covid tested left right and center and so i was (laughs) fine and then just when i got to my room and just thought wow this is like I made the mistake of thinking, oh, this room is my home for the next month. Because as you know, you have a different room. <laughs> uh, well, No, I didn't know that, but it's good for others who are yes. going to be visiting yes, Russia thought, for HSC. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know, in Russia, they have a slightly different area of the same wing, which is the isolation part. So you do have to move rooms just once. Okay. Um, but it was just really nice to, you know, get there and... Uh, and um it was just exciting and I was taking pictures out of the view out of my window and putting them up on social media and putting them on the blog and just going oh my god I've arrived it's been such a huge thing um put the pictures up of my cats and my dog because they were I knew I would be so homesick for them and so they were there for me and I found after I'd met Dr Fedorenko who is incredible again he's and i hear him being lavishly praised on this podcast all the time indeed um he's so warm and so he's so he's very professional and he's he's incredibly undoctory you know he's immediately saying you know we're not we don't have this doctor you're my patient and i'm your doctor of course we both know that's true uh, he is my doctor and i am his patient we just he just took my hands and you know we're friends and we're fighting MS together. And he gave me a big hug. He's very nice. Um, I felt very safe in his kind of hospital being looked after by him, really. Sure. Yeah. And so, so is there my, testing that you need to go through? Definitely. All the, I think it's across the board. I imagine this type of pre-testing is quite common. Yeah, there was uh, one day of pre-testing. Um, and that was quite exciting, you know, got to see quite a few bits of the hospital and had all of my ultrasounds and lung function capacity tests and all Pulmonary of this. Pulmonary function tests, it's, that was, the, I, for me, that was the worst. How did it go for you? Well, it was, it was okay. It was the ultrasounding. I felt that it felt to me like every single internal organ of my body had been very firmly pressed all over with a ultrasound wand whatever it is yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I felt 
almost felt bruised by how much effort had been put into making mm. sure my organs were okay. Um, I liked the um, lung function capacity test because they, when you were doing the test, they had like a little graphic on a screen in front of you to, so you could see when you took your took your breath out into the machine, it made a little electronic line spike up and it turned it into a bit of a game. And I wanted to do the best breathing. <laughs> and have the best game. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it was good. And it was nice just, uh, you know, being able to see a few people just in passing, um, other patients, I mean. Sure. So did you get to talk with any other HSCT patients or like it just happened to be that you were testing at the same time? I didn't get to talk at the same time. I, I'm pretty sure that on the day I arrived, I was the only patient arriving that day. And because it, there, were, there were a reduced amount of patients in the hospital because of oh. trouble people were finding getting there. Yeah. And so I made it a, a slightly obsessive mission to make contact with other patients in the hospital also having HSCT um, because I just, I just needed connection more than anything mm. else. I was like, come on, I need to, you know, and I met um, a couple of really nice people kind of straight away. And even though it was COVID, there was a certain degree of freedom in um if you were seeing someone else in their room, like you didn't have to wear a mask. The only time you had to wear a mask was if you were moving around the corridors at all. Sure. Um, full access to the lovely snowy grounds mm. of the hospital. So obviously not leaving the hospital grounds, but it, it was good. It kind of felt enough. And so I met a couple of uh, really nice people there who'd been there for about five days ahead of me. So we were all a bit staggered from each other. Um, and that's how it worked with all of the time I met other patients there. I was, it's like I was having my first chemotherapy. Someone was having their Neutrogen injections and it was all just, I'm having a nice little connection flurry right now because it was my stem cell birthday on the 29th of March. Happy birthday. Thank you. So, so significant. And um, so I can't quite, because we were so staggered, I'm never quite sure when someone's stem cell birthday is. So I've been doing a lot of, hey, how are you doing? Uh, I'm sure, sure your birthday's soon and just reconnecting a bit, which has been very nice. So yeah, I basically did that through the HSCT Russia Facebook group, which I'm sure everyone does when they get, I'm sure they do it in Mexico. I'm sure they do it in uh, Russia. Uh, sure. Everyone. As soon as you're there, you're like, okay, hi. Let's connect somehow. And so Anyone were you else? able to like chat and stay connected with them even on the phone or in social media during treatment and isolation? Uh, yeah, it's social media, definitely. Um, and I had a nice period of time where I was seeing a few people face to face. Because also Anastasia, bless her, she helped me as well. Because that's what I said to her. I was like, oh, we really want to see other patients. Do you think there are any other patients that want to see me? She's like, yeah, yeah there definitely will be. <laughs> Good. Um, so she kind of did some introductions, which was sweet. And so I got to have a nice couple of really nice long conversations with, you know, there was a, a lady there who is a Russian, but she's lived in the US for many years. Mm. And I ended up having just a really nice, interesting chat with her for hours. Um, I felt a little bit sad sometimes because we were just hanging out on the, um, they have like an, almost like a kind of nice uh, sofa-y social 
area. It lends itself to kind of social hanging out. There weren't an awful lot of us there. Sure. There was a, a steady stream of patients, but not an awful lot of stream of, of us there. I found when I was a later stage with the chemotherapy um, and sort of um, isolation was looming, but mm. then a bunch of other people kept turning up and they were really, really fun. We were having such a nice time in my room. One of the nurses had to come in and ask us to be quiet and stop <laughs> laughing. <laughs> but it was really nice. And and so I feel like I made a decent amount of connection. Um, it's I'm sure it would be a really different experience. The videos that I saw about Russia, maybe like three, four years ago, every single time um, someone had their stem cells re-transplanted, Dr. Fedorenko basically did a stem cell birthday party. All of of the patients came. And Dr. Fedorenko has this lovely, like a kind of a speech that he says at this time of of, of the stem cell birthday. And everybody's standing around and clapping and everyone's happy. And then they got to pour out their cryogenic freezing material Mm. shall I call it (laughs) from the canisters where your stem cells are kept in they kind of like symbolically pour it three times across the floor and I might oh goodness I'm not sure if I'll be able to remember it exactly it was all like one for one for your life with MS one time for treatment and now you're and the third time for your life after MS and it's after treatment after MS and it was but because Dr. Fedorenko is so, he's so, God, he's such a lovely person to hang out with as well. He's just like, Indeed. oh God, it's so nice. And he really believes it and is so encouraging. Um, and there's all, there was always birthday cake that I saw on these YouTube videos every single time, <laughs> birthday cake. Because cause it was COVID and there were a few of us there, I felt a bit sad. And I did say to Dr. Fedorenko, can I have a new life ceremony, please? Because... I really want it. It's like I, I, I really connected with the, you know, feeling of it and the sure. m- momentous marking of this massive thing. So and you were so afraid with COVID that it wouldn't happen. I was almost sure with COVID that they wouldn't be g- get gathering everyone together. Sure. As it was in, I don't know. I just thought there's got to have been some changes um, to even run the unit. And so I did say, he said, yes, we can have a new life ceremony and I will, we will do it in your room. I was like, oh, hooray. I don't care. I just want to have the new life ceremony and I want to have the lovely speech. Um, And he did it when you have the uh, stem cell transplant. He has these badges, these, the pin badges, um, which has a, a symbolic type of flower on it. I can't remember its name exactly. And underneath it says new life. Mm. And once you've had your stem cell, uh, I keep on wanting to call it an infusion, but everyone knows what I mean. Once you've had your stem cells retransplanted and he comes back in again and talks with you again and gives you your, puts your pin badge on you. And then you get to pour the, I keep on rock, incorrectly calling it dry ice yeah <laughs> it's like a disco dry ice that i then got to got to pour over the ground and i was like you know that's perfect that new life ceremony is perfect i um managed to get in a couple of stem cell birthday parties as well which was nice. 
also something I was slightly attached to when I got there. Um, my well, because friend... isolation is such a big part of the mm. Russian protocol, right? That yeah. isn't necessarily the same in other places. Mm. Well, it was my lovely Russian friend who lives in the US. She was, because she obviously, uh, of course she could speak Russian. So she was able to just chat, chat over to the Russian nurses just in beautiful, fluent Russian, which was basically saying, can you get us a Russian cake, please? <laughs> and, <laughs> and so she did manage to get some very nice Russian cake. And I spent the evening with her the day before she got her stem cells back. Nice. Um, and someone else I met uh, when it was, I don't know, maybe a week after I had uh, got to Russia, she, um, I don't know, we connected over a lot of kind of silly, just things we connected over. And I felt comfortable saying to her, can, can I have a stem cell birthday party in your room, please? <laughs> because she, uh, she had so many snacks. She had so many Pringles and chocolate and just, the nicest things, which, and I knew I, my, for me, food and diet is, I'm so um, committed to making, to, I, I know you're the same because you've spoken about it before, the whole dietary approach to health generally. Mm. But while I was in Russia, I got, I basically got given a free pass by Arna Crumb, who I'm lucky enough to call my dietitian. Yeah. Um, because I, I said, no, I'm not allowed gluten. And she was like, no, 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 you're having, you're having your immune system is being completely removed. She went, you're not, reactivity is not really an issue right now. And you have to build yourself up. You have to eat, eat, eat while you're there to deal with the chemotherapy. So I, I really warmed to that free pass in my life. Indeed, and I bet. Oh, all kinds of nice things. Which, of course, as soon as I had my stem cells back, I was like, okay, not doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing the free pass things anymore, but it was, yeah, it was really good fun. Uh, yeah. So I've been, I had a, oh, one thing talking of people that I met. Um, it's one of those things where if I hadn't traumatically missed my flight, mm. just because of a motorway accident in front of me, if I hadn't missed that flight and then ended up traveling a week later, I never would have met this person who I'm so, so lucky because before I had HSCT, I have no doubt of its amazing uh, statistical way in which it halts MS. And I don't believe it hasn't halted MS with me. I believe that it definitely has. Nice. And working with Anna also helps me by saying, okay, I'm really investing and keeping ahead of the curve and looking at looking at my body kind of inside out with lab work and stuff, just to make sure everything is as good as it can be. Um, but there's always a thought or a couple of blogs or a couple of people that I followed before I went to have HSCT who I was obviously really interested in. And then they had relapses mm. and I know it exists and you can't, Oh, I'd say you can't. I mean, I couldn't I not have that on the table just for my own sanity. It's like, I'm not going to look at this thing on the table. Sure. And I'm, I'm not, yeah, I don't want to um, anticipate this will happen, but you know, it can do. 
And then I was thinking, I wonder if anyone has HSCT twice and what the what the outcomes of that is. And then who did I meet? An absolutely lovely, lovely person um, who was coming back to have HSCT done. Um, they'd had it done at a different place a number of years ago and then had a relapse and was just so... Uh, sure of just like no that's okay I'm going to Russia because I always kind of wanted to go to Russia but the waiting list was too long that many years ago sure I'm just coming back I'm coming here and I always kind of wanted to and um they were just amazing and I got on with them very very well and it's I know a lot of people who have HSCT no one likes to entertain the idea too much of oh, this will, might last for this amount of time and then not, because it, it lasts for a very long time for a lot of people. Indeed. So but the possibility what, is certainly there. It is there. And I've heard uh, more than one person say, um, I would do this again without a, without hesitation. It's like, I, and I, and at meeting this person made me realize, actually see before my eyes that level of determination of just like, no, this is the best treatment. And now this is going to be like, this is it now. It's like, it's like I'm fine tuning it. I'm having it all done again. And I was full of admiration for them because now I've had HSCT. I'm like, yeah, I would do it again as well if I had to. Mm. And I really, really, really hope I don't ever have to. Sure. It, it um, was not an insignificant treatment. Correct. But not terrible. So how did it all go for you? Well, it's like I'm trying to think. So how did it go for me? Well, to begin with, it was it was kind of okay because I was I had heard I'd had a really nice uh full clean bill of health from all of these tests that sure. were done. Yeah, that's and very then, reaffirming that mm, things are good, right? Yeah. And it's like okay, so this aside from the autoimmune condition in the room um everything else is just like brilliant yeah so that made me feel kind of quite yeah I mean I'm in fantastic health yeah and so I was having the neutrogen shots and then you kind of get quite a lot of free time in a way um all I did and so you have a steroid infusion and that was a kind of a novelty um being hooked up to a drip bag I've not had that before and then got, getting advice from my new friends who were uh, five days ahead of me mm. about the Neutrogen shots. And okay, so I have to have one in the morning. And then I, no, 11 p.m. and then 3 a.m. And I was joking with them about that going, oh, do they come in and wake you up? And one guy went, oh, I just don't go to sleep. Mm. Like, what's the point? I was just like, that's a really good idea because I'm with jet lag and just general having to sleep in an unusual place. Mm. I'm not sleeping that well anyway. So if I just white knuckle it and stay <laughs> up until 3 a.m., by the time that comes around, hopefully I'll then sleep really well. Uh, spoiler alert, I did not sleep very well afterwards because <laughs> of the steroids. The steroids, um, yeah, <laughs> keep you up for sure. Definitely. And so the next night I had this, obviously it was like a, a rinse and repeat for four days, isn't it? Um, but the next night I just said to one of the nurses, I 
not finding it that easy to sleep. And she was like, oh, you want sleeping pills? And then she just wow. pulled out a packet out of her pocket and then gave it to me. I was like, yes, this is the kind of, this is the kind of support I need. And yes. so I'm pretty much for the whole of the rest of my time in treatment. I did, I just thought I'm giving myself over to having a couple of uh, sleeping tablets every evening because this is what is being offered. And I don't do well on serious sleep deprivation um I don't know so anyone that, that does I don't do you know what I don't even know why I bothered saying that because I don't know anyone else who <laughs> does either or maybe um, people think that they do but gee whiz it's really not oh no it just destroys me um so one thing that um happened which I wasn't expecting because I all the time that I was thinking about going to Russia um, and everything that you hear about the vascular catheter, I was just like, oh, no, this will be fine. Like, it wasn't worrying me at all. And I'll tell you when it started worrying me was five minutes before it was due to happen. <laughs> it was very, un is not good timing. No. Um, I started to get a real, like, oh, maybe I'm feeling slightly nervous of this now. Mm. Um, and... I kind of thought, no, that is fine. I'm not scared of needles. It's fine. <laughs> it is not exactly a needle, is it? No. It's, it's a little bit more than a needle. And um, I had complete faith in the nurses who were doing it because they were doing it day in, day out. Um, they're kind of this surgical procedure that they specialise in. And then I was kind of down on the bed thing and they were telling me to do what I needed to do, like put my head, head to the side <laughs> yeah. and have it have something sprayed on my neck it was quite cute it made me laugh actually at one point because it kind of moved your head and then they it, I almost had like a hessian cloth over the yeah. side of my yeah. face <laughs> yeah I found the bag on the head thing hilarious I'm just like this is this is weird and funny and anyway so they but it was just the pressure around the collarbone mm -hmm. and I had absolutely no control of this panic attack that I started having oh. and because I'm it was really shockingly fast and I was suddenly I was just kind of like <gasps> and started crying and because I'm such a idiot British person I immediately had to start apologizing straight away <laughs> they didn't know what I was saying they didn't know they were all you know they they didn't have to speak they knew what to say in English mostly uh stay still one of them was going stop crying <laughs> I was like oh. oh you this is not not in a horrible way but just as in a oh stop sure. stop crying it's like this is because, a panic attack yeah you I, have I, to I hold still but gee whiz that's that's so hard well it was just the it was just the me apologizing and not I was taking heaving in great big breaths just like mm. a <gasps> okay feeling really wobbly because I thought they've got to get that thing down there and I need to stop talking like some UK idiot that just has to be I'm so terribly sorry and just because I'm so sorry for existing and I should just let you get on with your work but they got because they're professionals they got it down there yeah I was still I was so embarrassed um I was I'm immediately sure it happens my... more than you know I'm, I'm sure you're not the only one I'm almost positive I'm not the only one, but no one else who was in the hospital who I'd spoken to who had had it done spoke anything of being like, oh, it was fine, which is why I think I was just like, oh, it's going to be okay. But uh, I was I was apologising on my Google Translate when I came out in a 
I'm so very sorry. You're really wonderful. And like, <laughs> it's like I was prostrating myself going, I'm so sorry. This is terrible. I'm so ashamed. But Dr. Fedorenko was there in a spookily quick time. So I'm just one of his many patients. And I just happen to be having a, a, a bit of a massive wobble, but everything's done. There's no danger. And it was so nice. He was immediately get there going, how, how are you okay? How are you, Jocelyn? And I was just like, oh, I'm okay. I'm just really awesome. And they, uh, well, it's so scary to think about. It's a huge central line to yeah. your heart. I don't know what were like, what were your concerns? Can you even pinpoint it? Or you just were overcome? I, by the this, I was, this, I was overcome by the anxiety. Mm. I had no concerns. That's why it took me so much by surprise. I was just like, no, no, I got this. This is fine. Sure. Almost again, like the novelty of being an inpatient in a hospital, having all of the treatment stuff going on, like the drip bags and the, just the, just the, th- the cannulas, the injections. It was, it was an exciting ride for me. And I thought, okay, this is just the next thing. I had no concerns about it at all. And the point, I think my body just took over sure. my body. As soon as it, I got that pressure in my collarbone, yeah. my body just went, no, 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 this is not meant to be happening. And then that went straight to my panic center mm. of my brain. And that was it. It's it was such a vulnerable place because you're kind of mm. even tethered down to the, I don't know how they kind of ha- had you like laying on a table and it's cold. And mine, yeah. I think was ultrasound guided or they could, there was some machine over top of everything so Mm. they they were using the imagery on the screen to get it all placed because I could watch if I wanted I chose to stare at the medical supplies (laughs) (laughs) instead but I remember feeling almost claustrophobic even though we were in a big open room yeah yeah it was it was an experience I got given I think Anastasia came and brought it to me I was sort of sitting just gently gently weeping just from the experience of having just overcoming a panic attack and also feeling terribly shamed like I just made a Mm. massive scene and all of the silly stuff that goes along with that and Anastasia just went here you go and she just gave me a cup of clear liquid and she went it's sedative I was like okay great and just next the whole thing (laughs) and um and that was nice and yeah and then of course it was collection day Sure. It's like, get, a, get over your panic attack. You're going to have your stem cells collected. So that was actually quite a nice, uh, it was quite a nice place to recover from the experience. Just now you're here for five hours. So we're going to yeah. plug you into a catheter. Right. <laughs> and, and, it, and it was quite, yeah, it was all right. And um, I enjoyed the machinery as well. It was really like sonically, it was really interesting. There's a very good. monotonous beat to it. Yeah, it's like a metronome of sorts. But yeah, it is like that. And I got Anastasia again very kindly. I said, "Can you do some filming in here? Because I can't do it, but I'm going to want to make a video um, for an eventual YouTube channel that I want to make about it. So I'm definitely going to need this, like a good video of what it looks like." Mm. So she did a lot of nice filming for me as well, which was good. Um, And I was very pleased to hear. Again, it was, um, oh, there was another very nice doctor at the hospital. 
I am really sorry in advance if I am mangling his name, but I think it was something like Anatoly. I'm sorry, Anatoly, if that's not your name. (laughs) I don't know. Um, It could be anything. Right, there we go. But there was another doctor, a a younger doctor, but doing the same under Dr. Fedorenko. And he looked at the computer screen above the station which takes your stem cells. And he came over to my bed and he took my hands and said, I'm so pleased to tell you, you have all of the stem cells you need. And it was just really, it was such a kind thing to do as well. It was just like, I don't think any of them ever um, minimize the significance of every single little thing that happens to a patient having this treatment. It's like, um, it's treated like it's a, hey, here's some really good news That's and I'm going to take your hands and I'm going to, I just, I just really appreciate that kind of thing. Sure. Um, so that was, that was that, the stem cell collection. And then when I had the, um, the catheter removed. Know, yeah. When I had the catheter, catheter removed was, uh, that, that was kind of good. I mean, I really wanted it taken out and there was a lovely nurse, very big practical nurse. And she, spoke a bit of English but not very much and so um and my name in the way it was written outside my room in Russian definitely came was Jacqueline 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 was what I was (laughs) called which I thought was quite cute um and so I was lying on the bed and she suddenly did a took out took out what she needed to and then felt like she pulled a massive thing out and then jammed a a stringent piece of wadding on my neck and it was really horrible and painful I squeezed my eyes shut going oh my god it hurts it hurts it hurts knowing that she had to do it because it was my jugular vein yeah and and she was kept on holding it there but she was just going Jacqueline 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 and I was just like what oh you want me to open my eyes and I did and she was holding up the vascular catheter plastic tube so long oh my word I'm really glad that she showed me and I'm very sorry that I didn't take a picture of them to go on my blog they were two gnarled old you know it was just it was just medically fascinating everything I had done there was medically fascinating and and she gave me an enormously lovely painkiller that evening to deal with the pain in my neck um and I wasn't really that scared to have the next bunch of necklines put in the next day. Um, I just didn't think it could be. Look, I kind of knew what it was then. And it wasn't going to catch me by surprise this time. And I had a nice sedative before I had it done this time. But there I don't think go. I really don't think I needed it, to be honest. I had it done. It's like, oh, it's a kind of funny feeling down in your sort of chest. And I had a um, they didn't x-ray type images while they were doing it but once you had it done they took you straight to have your chest x-rayed and to make sure that everything was in the right place but yeah that one wasn't so bad they get in the way a lot in the states at least dr burt back in the day placed it in our arm not our chest um so it was a triple lumen pick line kind of in your tricep which wasn't the most comfortable, but it wasn't terrible. And it was also, I don't want to say ultrasound guided, but certainly they used like the imaging machine again to see what they were yeah, doing yeah. on the bigger it does, screen. 
it it does seem to me that that was sort of very important like that we've got it in but it has to be in the right place yeah. and then it just uh so they took care of that really really nicely um so then you get chemo then i get the chemo and <laughs> i was i had a my own approach the first day of chemo um i just thought i'm just going to be really positive about chemo and my first day uh, and the bags went up and three hours worth of chemo was put up there and I was like that's okay but I just started to I was just doing little things like trying to kind of tell with chemo that I loved it I thought if I can get off on a really good foot with chemo and just do this complete number on myself of like no I'm really positive about this mm. And chemo, I love you. <laughs> and Thank you for doing was... the good work of getting rid of this terrible disease because you yeah. had lived with MS for how long? Well, by the time I got to Russia, it, it would have been 19 years. It's a long and time. A really long time. I mean, the first 12 years, I would say, I kind of checked out from having everything. I did a lot of work with like my diet and the ways I was trying to fix it myself, but I was not physically disabled from it so it's easier to ignore I think when it's Indeed. not physically yeah for and, sure and now it's obviously very different um but what I found with chemo I chemo did not make me feel sick I got a one day where I kind of uh was a bit queasy but I never felt in danger of like getting really nauseous or anything. It was very well managed, That's the good. whole anti-sickness thing. Um, but what it did do, I was not expecting. It made me really, really dizzy. Huh. And pretty much from the first point where I had chemo, I then became an immensely high falls risk. Mm. I fell over so much in my own room. Um I used my wheelchair around about because I thought I can't be so rickety in front of other people. But the dizziness and that effect that made on my already not very good balance, mm. it was really intense. I remember after my first chemo, again, on the path of wanting to carry on making connections with people, mm. like, right, I'm definitely going to go and see this other person I've just been chatting to on Facebook who's just coming out of isolation and I really want to make sure I get to see her face to face and I possibly overdid it slightly it was great to see her but then when I got back into my room I just thought oh I don't think I can get into bed but I'm just going to roll my wheelchair over to the side of the bed and then I'm just going to rest my head on the side of the bed and of course a lovely nurse comes in she's just like oh no 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 we can do much better than that <laughs> I was like oh okay then um and she said she helped get me into the bed and I felt so much better they definitely know what they're doing and uh, I felt so much better after that and yeah chemo I had a real sense of losing a quarter of my immune system every day uh, mm. it, it like I painted pictures in my mind of just like oh, okay so how am I feeling today I'm 75% down on my immune system and it was really interesting because it kind of I think it's just the chemo's doing its thing but I'm not sure whether not having an immune system feels anything at all 
Do you know what I mean by that? Mm, indeed. It's like, it's like, oh, I'm trying to gather my thoughts really about it. So chemo is just something that had to happen anyway. Um, and it didn't make me really, really sick. One thing it did do, and this really came out. Oh no, what am I talking about? I'm missing out my stem cell transplant. I'm just or I was already going to jump to isolation just now. It's like, well, no. but don't you go through how many days of chemo do you have before you get your stem cells back? Four days. Okay. So four days of chemo and then possibly one rest day. I don't know. And then you have your stem cells back. And I, you know, it was great. It was great getting my stem cells back. It was very exciting. And my room, which had been so quiet, was suddenly filled with, you know, business-like, friendly, business-like Russian talk between doctors and nurses, and then a bit of English talk to me, and it was all kind of nice feeling. Um, and then I got to see my stem cells re-emerge from their canister. Frozen um, state, yeah. Yeah, and then just be hung up next to me. And I just gazed at them. Uh, Anastasia, again, was recording the whole thing for me. Um, and yeah, I was kind of looking up at these, this tiny bag, which was quite rapidly disappearing. And it, it, it's all, it shocked me, even though I sort of knew that it's not a very long process. When one of the nurses went, okay, it's done now. I was like, really? That's, that's really quick. <laughs> um, and then uh, one thing I found interesting because I, um, before I went to Russia, I was obviously asking everyone advice on like, what should I take? And I had things like take boiled sweets for the weird chemo taste. And mm. when you get your stem cells back, there's this, you know, varying reports of different weird tastes that yes. you can get when you're having. And, um, and also magical experiences when you're having your stem cells put back in. Not magical, but kind of that, so spiritually meaningful I suppose mm. kind of feelings and I didn't have any of it I had no taste of anything um I I don't know if I just wasn't trying hard enough no but I didn't have I didn't have like a an experience of any warmth moving in my body or anything feeling different at all I was just so happy mm. and and I was so happy that everyone else was in the room with me as well. That was nice. And Dr. So you had your celebration of life. Yeah, it just it just felt great. And then, um, of course, when everything had died down and everyone had gone away, um, Dr. Fedorenko then came back into my room later to do my new life ceremony, which was really just wonderful. It's I, I watched back to my video that I made of my new life ceremony mm. and all I hear myself doing like Dr. Fedorenko doing lots of lovely wise talking positive positivity and all I'm just saying is oh thank you thank you so much <laughs> I think I must have said that about 10 times thank you so much um that seems to be the only thing I could say but yeah it was so that was good and meaningful and I'd happy because I've had my lovely stem cell birthday party the night before um, and then isolation was not the way I expected it to be for me. Oh, 
I um, had I had lovely plans for isolation. I remember I was, it's, you like really planning that piece of it. Yep. Yep. And uh, no surprise at all, that did not happen. Thanks as always for listening to the HSCT Warriors podcast. This episode will continue next week. Be sure to visit hsctwarriorspodcast.org where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and connect with resources and the HSCT Warriors Incorporated nonprofit. As always, special thanks to musical genius Billy Allitzhauser for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts. It has been amazing to connect with warriors worldwide, and we would love to hear from you about how the podcast has helped your journey with autoimmune disease. Take a moment to connect with us on Instagram or share this episode with someone you know that would enjoy listening. In the meantime, we hope you'll tune in next Wednesday for another episode highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then, be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind. Be well. Jen Stansberry Koenig and the producers disclaim medical influence and responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. If you think you have a medical problem, please contact a licensed physician and take good care.